And um, you mentioned Charles Dance, mm-hmm. arguably my favorite person from Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, after Pedro Pascal, of course. Who's Pedro Pascal? Oberyn. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, my heart. So good. This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Hello, and welcome to Better Late Than Never, a movie podcast where I invite a friend to watch a blockbuster, cult favorite, or otherwise culturally significant film that they've never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guest will decide if it was better late that they've been missing out by not having seen the film, or never. The movie just didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. Today, before I introduce today's guest, a little bit of housekeeping. This is the season finale of season one of Better Late Than Never. Arbitrarily, I have decided to make every year a season. So here we are at the end of season one. Uh, Going forward, I am going to try introducing themes to the seasons as we uh, start doing more of them, and I will release a little mini-pod explaining that in the future. So uh, keep an eye out for that. There's more to come. This being the finale of Season 1, we are doing something a little special. So, today, we are joined once again by my friend, Erin. Hello again. Hello! Hello! Erin, you were... All the way back, those many months ago, my very first guest. Such an honor. It was fantastic, and what a good episode. Agreed. In case you forgot, we covered the movie Ghostbusters on that episode. I actually had forgotten, so thank you for reminding me. Yeah, so um, here we are now, months later, back again. Aaron, do you remember what you thought of Ghostbusters? Generally, yeah. I remember thinking it was a good time. I remember feeling very uncomfortable by Bill Murray. Uh huh. Um, I remember sexy uh, Zool Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. You still can't get it right. (laughs) It's stuck in my head wrong. Yeah. Um, I remember goes blowjobs how can you forget how could you forget uh so many happy memories and uh so in between then and now you've also seen ghostbusters 2 correct i have you care to offer a real quick opinion on that one i liked the music better yeah good soundtrack on that one it's really all i have to say okay i still don't know who winston is yeah poor guy yeah well Aaron, today what we're gonna do is we're going to bookend the first episode of the series and the last episode of the season with more Ghostbusters. Today, 
we're going to watch Ghostbusters Answer the Call from 2016. Woo! I know. Super exciting. It's very exciting. Aaron, you haven't seen Ghostbusters from 2016. <laughs> Why? Because I hadn't seen Ghostbusters from 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Is that actually why you didn't see it? Correct. Yes. I didn't feel, I wanted to see the source material first. And Oh, okay. So. I think that might be the first time someone had an actual reason for not having seen it's something. The actual reason. I was intrigued when the movie came out for many reasons, but I held off because I had not seen the source material. Yeah. Uh, other than for the podcast, though, were you interested in seeing this movie? I was. I mean, I I don't know if I was necessarily super interested in seeing it, but I was intrigued by it as a cultural uh, phenomenon. Sure. Product, quality, quantity. Um, yes. So uh, this movie came out a couple of years ago at this point. Does it have any sort of reputation that you know of? It certainly has a reputation for... Uh, yeah, making making people think that girls aren't funny or something had so much shade thrown at it. So much shade was thrown at this movie. Well, tell me more. What what have you heard about all that? I mean, I you know didn't again. I didn't see the movie, but if I recall from a few years ago when I was looking at just some some reviews, user reviews, just so much hate. Um. You know, I do know that there's quite a few lovely comedians in this movie, and apparently they were not funny at all, according to the general public, whoever, mm. the general internet public. Yeah, let's not confuse the yes. internet with the real world here. Yes. Uh, well, speaking of the cast, who do you think is in this? So I I know actually from our first podcast, because you did spoil this for me. Sorry. Um, there is a Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Um, which Hemsworth? Chris. Ah, yes, of course. One of the famous Chris's. Yes. Uh, which I'm pleased about. I like him a lot. Let me interrupt you here. So uh, do you have a ranking of your favorite Chris's? Oh, boy. It's, you know, it's a it's a forever changing. Yeah, it's kind of based on who you've seen most recently, right? Right. It used to be Chris P- Pratt, but now I'm so over him. He's sort I uh, keeping in mind that I do love Chris Pratt, I do think he's at the bottom of the Chris's for me. And just, just to establish it, we're talking Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. Chris Pine, mm-hmm. Chris Pratt, and Chris Evans. Right. I think Hemsworth might be my favorite because I feel like he can play a serious role and be very funny. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's one of those actors that's gifted. Like, he's so handsome. But at the same time, he can really just – he seems really down to earth. Like, mm-hmm. if we hung out, he would treat me like, like – You know, if we, like, totally met normal. Street, he, yeah, we would just – End up like being best friends because he doesn't care about. <laughs> and then you'd hit it off so well that he'd ask you to hang out, and then slowly he'd discover that he's really into you, and yeah. he'd become your boyfriend, and he'd right. take you off to Australia, and you'd get married. I mean, at least introduce me to the rest of the Hemsworths, and kind of is he your favorite Hemsworth? Sure, definitely. Well, because there's also the the one from Hunger Games, no, and, uh, yeah. and the one from Westworld. Yes. Okay. Well, the one from Westworld. I mean, ouch. He's he's good. Is he? Yeah, he's good. Okay. He's like normal people, handsome. Oh, let's see. 
I actually did meet a Hemsworth once in Pohong, Korea. A real Hemsworth? He was their cousin. Oh, he that looked, sucks. He was very handsome. That that's cool. Um so he might be my favorite, but Yeah. I, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say I'm a Chris Evans guy. I actually kinda knew that. I, I think he's really cool. At least And handsome. Well obviously. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, but I don't know. He's got a he's got a cool Twitter presence. What do you want me to say? He's also a, a Boston guy. Mm. So He's fuck a Bo- yeah. he's a Boston guy? Yeah, he's a Boston guy. Likes the pats. <laughs> he likes the pats. All right. If he likes the pats and the socks. Fucking love the socks, bro. All right. Back to this movie. Okay. Um, so, all right. Well, um, what else do you think you know about this movie? Well, I mean, I do know the other main characters. All right. Hit me. The actors. There's Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kristen Wiig. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leslie Jones. Mm-hmm. And Kate McKinnon. Okay. Those are going to be the core four. Gotcha. And I, yeah. Anybody else? No, that's it. Okay. I do have a prediction. Please. For, I, I feel like Sigourney Weaver is going to cameo in some capacity in this movie. Okay. My hope is that she would, I would love to see her come back as like Zool re, uh, rebirthed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a reincarnation of Zool. That would be cool. Um, I feel like it might be at the end because I feel like Sigourney Weaver always pops in at the end of movies. Yeah, like Cabin be, in the Woods. Like Cabin and, in the Woods. Oh, and I think also that movie Paul. Oh, I never saw that. Okay. Well, she's not to spoil that for you because it's actually a pretty funny movie, but she's also the random super big bad at the end of that movie. So exactly like Cabin in the Woods. Yes. Oh, okay. So that's kind of like her thing. Yeah. Um, So it would be cool to see her uh, cameo in this. And I would like it if she was a villain personally because okay. I think she plays a good villain, but- Totally. <clears throat> whether or not I do think she's going to be in the movie in some capacity. Do you think any of the other original cast will be in it? Maybe. I wouldn't be surprised if well, I think Harold Ramis is dead, right? He did pass away, yeah. So not him, but and Rick Moranis lives like a totally normal life in Canada now or something. He like gave up acting. Yeah, to uh raise his kids, which good on you, man. Right. Um I do think that Bill Murray might be in it. Okay. That seems like, he's still around. Sure. Yeah, he's, um, he's still around. Him and Dan Aykroyd. All right. Maybe. Okay. I would say definitely Sigourney Weaver, maybe Bill Murray, and, like, outside chance Dan Aykroyd. Okay, so that's that's the order. Well, well are, do you feel like you're forgetting someone? Winston? <laughs> maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe forgot about one of them? <laughs> Just a little bit, do you think? Um, right, Winston. Is he going to be in it? Is he going to be in it? Uh, maybe Winston is in it. If he is, I feel like what would be lovely is if we got Winston's backstory finally. Like he's become, I would love to see him. Uh, he's become like the pastor of a church. Okay. The head of a church. Sure, sure. Congregation. And uh, uh, just to be clear, his name is Ernie Hudson. <laughs> okay, Ernie Hudson. Yeah. What else has Ernie Hudson been in? Oh, gosh. um, I think he's in Congo, actually. Have you ever seen Congo? I feel like I have. That's that the mo- one with the the big ape. Yeah, the ape that does sign language. Yeah. And then the, the gray monster apes. Terrible movie, but okay. kind of one of those ones that's so bad I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he plays an African warlord in that. And um, oh, he's in he's in the Crow. Oh, okay. He's a he's a big hearted cop in the Crow. Okay. And other than that, I can't think of anything. I think. Oh, he he might have been on Oz, but I can't remember if I'm confusing him with someone else, but I think he's also on Oz. Anyway, uh that's Ernie Hudson. Maybe he's in it, maybe running a church. Maybe that I mean that would be cool if he had, he was, you know, the head of I don't know, I just picture The one well, thing I know about him is that he loves Jesus. Well, that's his character, Aaron. Yeah, the character of Winston. Oh, I oh okay. I I see. I thought you were talking about Ernie Hudson for no, a second. No, no, I'm talking about like Winston is alive and he still loves like his Jesus. character and oh. he still loves Jesus. And so so you think that this is actually in the same universe as the original Ghostbusters? I actually don't really, but Oh, okay. Actually, I don't know, maybe. I think it would be cool. Well, no, it wouldn't work because then the original guys would come in. Well, maybe they're mentors. Who knows? But I'm going to put down that you're you're leaning towards not the same universe, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what else you got? All right. So, I think it will pass the Bechdel test. Mm. Well, I mean, this movie, <laughs> this movie, I think you got a good chance of that. I'm curious if there, at this point, are, are like other Bechdel esque tests. What I think would be interesting is if this did not pass the same rules for men. Like oh, if yeah, there was yeah. no men, uh, the, you know, the 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 men in this movie are only ever talking about the female characters to each other, right? Um, there are just to answer your question though, there are other tests because the thing about the Bechdel test is that it was only ever intended to be like a shorthand, but as it became more popular, people began using it as this hard and fast rule of like, is this movie, you know, misogynistic or not, and. You know, it fails to capture a lot of stuff, so people have come up with alternatives. I don't have them off the top of my head, but there are alternatives out there if you want to try and find them. Right. Well, I guess I'm I'm curious to know if the male, if like a male version of that test would be okay. We'll keep an eye on that valid. and see if it if it passes it in reverse. And the pers- people of color test. I'm curious to know if um, that's those same Bechdel test rules. Will be um, will hold true for people of color in the movie, I guess, because those are my issues with the first movie. So yeah, yeah, I don't want to spoil anything, Erin, but I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> okay, well, okay, that's but interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye I on think it. That's sort of an interesting topic from the last sure uh, last movie. Sure. Other predictions. I was kind of trying to think about who the human big bad would be in this movie. Yeah. Um, do you remember? Uh, do you remember the human big bad from Ghostbusters? OG Ghostbusters. Absolutely, it was. Oh, what's the bad guy's name? Walter, Walter Peck. Peck and the EPAs. That's one of my new bands. Woo! <laughs> I got um, their first EP. Yeah, they're opening up for Monocle in the Wind. Wild <laughs> Monocle in the Wild. Oh my God! What a show. <laughs> um. So, yeah, and I, if I recall, I think. We talked about who the big bad would be, the human big bad in this movie would be in that podcast. What I think you predicted was that potentially in this one, the big bad, be it human or otherwise, was going to potentially be a woman. Right. Yes. Although she sort of is in the original. Right. That's true. It's uh, a girl. That's actually a one of girl. <laughs> that's a that's a line in the movie. Yeah. When uh, when Gozer comes out, I think he's like, it's a girl. <laughs> oh, my God. It's a girl. Um. Yeah, uh, and 
I think what I told you at the time was that uh, whether female or not female, the big bad of this movie is a more modern type. Right. And so I don't know if that means like tech people or what. I had a I, I had a feeling it might be I could picture it being some sort of political entity like the Republicans. The mm-hmm. Republicans are We want this to be a fun movie, Erin, not actually scary. Uh, oh <laughs> Topical. Topical. Um So I was picturing maybe, you know, like a Republican political party or like Someone that's trying to deny the existence of the ghosts, maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, nothing's wrong here. Right, Everything's right. Everything's fine. Yeah, someone who's sort of, like, trying to brush it under the rug and pretend like everything's okay. Or maybe an Area 51 or type of thing, but again- Or, like, that, Men in Black kind of thing. Yeah, but that wouldn't really be contemporary, would it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, Chris Hemsworth is in a Men in Black movie coming out soon with Tessa Thompson. Ooh, I will add that to my watch list. Yeah, because they're both so hot right now. Um, That's very true. So I I want to circle back around to the uh, reputation of this movie. Did you do you know anything about sort of the the making of it or the background leading up to it or what people were saying about it leading up to it? Well, I, I don't know about the making of it or anything like that. I just know that people were. Some people were super pissed that this movie was being remade with an all-female cast. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the extent of it. There okay. was just a lot of resistance. Because this movie is so much in the hearts of a generation of people. Yeah, it really is. And to tell you the truth, I never really understood that. Like, you know, I I have movies like that for myself, like the Star Wars movies, which has its own fandom that acts exactly the same way. And I, I understand that impulse. I just, I guess maybe I came to this movie too late to have that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So obviously me too. So I was like, yeah. But I, I you know, I know, I know there are people who are like that. Yeah. Right. Um. Uh, so I know, you know, a lot of people are like, don't ruin my childhood. Yeah. And I think you're going to get that a little bit anytime uh, something is remade. I know we have very different opinions about My Little Pony. Um. <laughs> yeah, because I am a brony. Oh, God, and be you so proud of that. hate My Little Pony Friendship is Magic because you're a cold hearted monster. It's because I just don't, I feel like they're manipulating, they're sexualizing my childhood. They're not sexualizing anything, Erin. What the hell is wrong with you? There have been, there has been so many instances of people trying to marry their My Little Pony dolls or whatever. (sighs) Like, so there's one weirdo they dug up (laughs) on the internet. You know, people in Japan try and marry their body pillows, right? It's the same thing. It's not, oh, God. We're not doing this right now. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the same thing also when they redid uh, Ren and Stimpy. I well, loved- that was that genuinely was, bad. That was genuinely bad and very sexualized, and it made me really uncomfortable to see these characters yeah. that I had grown up with right. like, depicted in that way. All right. Well, we'll, say, we'll, we'll have more of a discussion about remakes and reboots, I think, in part two sure. after we've actually seen the movie. So we'll we'll table that for now. But um, do you have any more predictions? I more have just some hopes. Okay. Um, I'm hoping for a ghost eat out scene. Okay. Yep. 
So really hoping for that. On that same note, I hope for some aggressive, uh, slightly rapey, Venkman-esque um, scenes with Chris Hemsworth being uh, sort of victimized by... Totally, totally. About the... So what you want is, you want turnabout is fair play. <laughs> you want this to be... Uh, Redemption? Misandrist. No. no, no. I mean, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, I would love a better backstory for Winston. The Winston character, who I'm sorry, I'm going to guess is Leslie Jones. Sure, sure. Uh, Let's say better backstory for the character who is of color in the crew. Yes. And I would, I, I guess my really my only other hope is that there is a. I would love if there was a Zool. I don't know a Zool presence in the movie. I don't think there will be, but I think it would be fun. You like Zool? Huh? I like Zool, of course. It's like. She's like David Bowie, but like a, oh, I was going to say, but like a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows, Aaron? <laughs> oh. oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. I also like this hopes thing. That's that's a good idea. Maybe I should incorporate that going forward. I mean, to be fair, that's what I am always doing when I give my predictions. It's more just like. This. I know, but I think it helps making it like a distinct, you know, acknowledging you know what it is you're talking about you know what you definitely think is coming versus what you just hope is coming i think right. that's that's a good idea uh, yeah you're welcome good on you um other than that i just i would say generally because we have these four was Mel- melissa mccarthy in saturday night live i'm gonna tell you right now i don't really watch saturday night live religiously i, I never just, watch it I at all i really just dabble once in a while um but i know the other three are like veteran snl yeah, uh, Melissa McCarthy, to my knowledge, is not uh, an SNL alum. Uh, but it is for Gilmore Girls, though. I mean, I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she. Oh yeah. I love. I really like. Well, I don't know Leslie Jones as much because I've really only seen her in Saturday Night Live, um, which you don't watch very much. Which I don't watch very much. Yeah, same. But I do. I like the other three actresses. I think they can all be very funny. That being said, I tend to sometimes not love Kristen Wiig's thing. Let's hang on to this for part two as well. Okay, fair enough. Um, but I do just generally anticipate a lot of sort of awkward wit banter mm-hmm. between the ladies. Oh, uh, speaking of what you know about the cast, do you know who directed this? I do not. Okay. Okay. Was it a woman? I'm not saying. <laughs> no. But... um. You know, we'll we'll talk about the director too. Um, do you have any more hopes or dreams? Not any more hopes or dreams. I guess the only other thing I would say is I feel like this is going to be uh, pivoted a little bit more towards the comedy side because if I remember when we watched the first one, we couldn't really pin down the genre. Yeah, I mean it, it is it is comedy, but it's so bone dry for a lot of it that right. It, Right. Doesn't always feel that way. I think it's going to be more obviously a comedy, or at least try to be. Okay. Um, and I guess my only other thing is, like, I really hope I like it. <laughs> I'm really worried, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I mean, because there are so many, so many downvotes so online. Yeah. Well, have you actually encountered anyone who did like it? You know, I can't recall. I think I feel like everyone who saw it was like, "Yeah, it was hype." Yeah. Okay. Right. right. Okay, cool. Well, um, 
That's a, a lot of good stuff, and I look forward to talking about it when we come back. I guess the last thing that we have to do before we start watching is, um, Aaron. Yeah? You have to sing the song. I'll do it with you. You could do it. Are you ready? I'm gonna. I'm making you do this. And a one, and a two, and a... <laughs> nice. All right, let's watch. For apparition. That's okay. She seems peaceful. My name is Erin Gilbert, Doctor of Particle Physics. Ah! That stuff went everywhere, by the way, in every crack. Very hard to wash off. We have dedicated our whole lives to studying the paranormal. Now there's sightings all over the city. There are people out there that need our help. Holtzman, you're a brilliant engineer. Erin, no one's better at quantum physics than you. We can provide a real service. I'm joining the club. You guys are really smart about this science stuff, but I know New York. And I can borrow a car from my uncle. <laughs> uh, you didn't disclose that the vehicle was going to be a hearse. It's a Cadillac! Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh. Did you want to? Sorry. sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. Okay. Someone is creating a device that amplifies paranormal activity. And we might be the only ones who can stop it. Holtzman, come on. The hat is too much, right? Is it the wig or the hat? There's a bigger picture at hand here. These ghosts can possess the human form. The devil is a liar! Get out of my friend! Ghost! Ow, that's gonna leave a mark! The power of pain compels you! Ow! All right, and so Ghostbusters 2016. Woo! Woo! Ghostbusters. Do you want to sing again? Nope. Oh, all right. We only do that off air. I see. Well, what'd you think? Ghostbusters. Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of suspected you might kind of like this one because, um, well, it seems to me that <laughs> in your case, Aaron, how much you like a movie seems to be directly related to how many women are in it. I know. I do bring this up a lot. And this movie had lots of women in it, so obviously you liked it. It had lots of funny people in the in, in it. Yeah, the cast that. is really, really good. It wasn't Lord of the Rings for no. girls. 
No. Dave, did you just open a beer? I opened like something. You, you need to drink? Yeah, I hated it so much. I got to drown my sorrows. All these chicks in this movie. Blah. Dave, why do you hate women? Because they ruined my childhood. Dave, you didn't see this movie as a child. No, oh, is that true. just unrelated? Yeah, that's just in general. I see. Yeah. All right. Well, so I think at this point, you know how this works. We're going to talk about the background. Um, there's some bits of the background of this movie that we're going to save for later, but just in general, I'm going to say that after Ghostbusters 2 came out, uh, there was talk about doing Ghostbusters 3, and that was in development hell since basically the second movie, since 1989. The most common idea that got kicked around for that was that, um, Venkman, Bill Murray's character, would die and come back as a ghost. Oh, God. Yeah. A pervy Bill Murray ghost just Thorazining up everyone. I don't, I don't know if Thorazining is a verb, but you can't one. Yeah, but you might have gotten that ghost going down on a girl scene that you were so desperate for. <sighs> That's true. Yeah. Um, Dan Aykroyd was always really gung-ho on doing it, but Bill Murray was always coming across as pretty lukewarm on the idea. So, Well, that comes across in the movie. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, for that reason, eventually they decided why not just do a reboot then. Um, and then also, of course, there's the fact that in 2014, Harold Ramis passed away. Rest in peace. So um, after that, they were like, let's reboot it. They do reference him, at least. Yes, they do. In the, in... In the beginning, there's a shot of a bust of Harold Ramis, which is very nice. So, yeah, so that's kind of just a quick and dirty background of the film. But let's talk about the director. So this movie is directed by Paul Feig. You know him? Yes. Did he direct? No, not Paul. <laughs> what has he directed? Um, well, for starters, he's uh, the creator of Freaks and Geeks. Oh, okay. And he's often associated with uh, Judd Apatow for that reason. Right. Okay. Um, he's directed Bridesmaids, The Heat, Spy, and more recently, A Simple Favor. I don't know a simple favor, but he's a big Melissa McCarthy collaborator. He apparently. sure is. Yeah. Um, what do you think of directing in this? It was fine. <laughs> yeah, kind of um, competent but uninspired. That's exactly how I would probably describe it if I had given it more thought. Um, yeah, I'm like I said, it's you know it's funny, it's a little punchy, but not. I don't know. Not earth shattering. Yeah, I think this is a movie that could have benefited a lot from being a little tighter. Like maybe not even, well, some of it's the directing and some of it's the editing, but um, right. just a lot of scenes just going on very long and a lot, a lot of dialogue that just keeps going on and on. Well, it's exact. I mean, it's a lot of exactly what I pictured, which is the awkward wit banter. Yeah. And I mean, that's something you get a lot in Melissa McCarthy movies, right? right. Or I guess you could say Paul Feig and Melissa McCarthy movies. And right. it's funny, you know, like that's a hallmark of like the humor in Bridesmaids, for instance. All the scenes are kind of like that. Yeah. It's very much soaked in that, though, in this movie. Yeah. And I think maybe to the movie's detriment. Uh, I th I've mentioned on the podcast before, I think the YouTube channel, Every Frame of Painting. Yep. So they have uh, one... Uh, episode in particular where they are a little critical of the state of American comedy today. I have seen that one. Right. And so the, the one thing that gets said on that that I happen to agree with is that um, American comedy movies 
at the moment tend to be less a comedy movie and more lightly edited filmed improv mm-hmm. where you know they collect a lot of funny people let them riff as much as they want and just you know keep capturing it and capturing it and just throw it all out there and it's funny and it's good and you get a lot of like spontaneously humorous things out of it but there's kind it gets a little bloated maybe i think paul feig movies like in that particular episode of that youtube channel they feature a lot of paul feig movies like i think bridesmaids and the heat are prominent in in that and i think you could also point to judd apatow movies and in particular um will ferrell movies are guilty of this i think you think will ferrell movies i think will ferrell is more absolutely but i think he's also he's more slapstick maybe i like that about him but i think his movies do suffer from that thing where it's like we have will ferrell so let's just put a camera on him and let him riff for a while and whatever we get out of that it's going to be good right right yeah so anyway so but you know it's still it's not bad it's just maybe could have been a little tighter right yeah i I mean i did think it was funny i laughed out loud sure all right well we mentioned her already so let's talk about the cast quickly and talk about melissa mccarthy as abby yates I really like Melissa McCarthy, and I like her character in this. She's classic Melissa McCarthy in my mind. Mm -hmm. I do, at times, I kind of thought that her character and Kate McKinnon's character were a little too similar. They kind of offered the same energy. Her and Kate McKinnon or her and uh, Kristen Wiig? Actually, I think her and Kate, well, both a little bit, but especially in the beginning, I kind of felt like her and Kate McKinnon. They were both a little off, maybe. As yeah. opposed to Kristen Wiig being the straight person. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, what about Kristen Wiig? Kristen Wiig is also, I think they're all in classic form. Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen Wiig, it's definitely her thing where she plays this sort of stuffy, feminine character that's slowly, that you love to see slimed. Like, she got slimed so many times. Yeah. You love to see her kind of just constantly being forced to do gross things um, because she plays that sort of prissy character quite well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned her also. What did you think of Kate McKinnon? Kate McKinnon was also being classic Kate McKinnon, where she has, she is a very kind of physical, much more of a physical comedy actress. Um, She does a lot of moving yeah. But sometimes I just kind of, and they're definitely just like, hey, Kate McKinnon, just be like super weird. Hmm. Just be super weird, Kate McKinnon. She's like, all right. And sometimes I don't really think it works. Like, I just really? like, like, I'm like, okay, I get it. You're wacky. You're moving around. Funny. Oh, so you thought it kind of became too much after a while, maybe? A little bit. Um, <clears throat> During like the middle part of the movie. I think I can see that, but I would come back and say that for for me, I think she's hands down the best part of the movie. Okay. And that's a pretty uh, common reaction to this film, I think. She just, you know, the the cast has very good chemistry and they're all really good when their dialogue is bouncing off each other and they all clearly like each other. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's humming along, but she stands out so much as like a clear, distinct character. Mm -hmm. You know, it even comes down to wardrobe like they do all have wardrobes that match their character pretty well 
and their design, you know, reflects their personalities. But, Absolutely. But her dress is so, it's the only one that's actually very distinct. Like, if you think about what these characters were wearing, I can only really picture Holtzman's outfit. You know, she's the only one who's a really distinct, vivid character who stands out from the, the rest of them. She's definitely, uh, she has great fashion. It's very, like, steampunk hipster hippie and a little mad scientist too absolutely super mad scientist she reminded me a lot of krieger uh from archer oh totally um i can picture her just doing really weird evil things it's a little maniacal laughter mixed up in there right yeah uh yeah she's definitely like a great quirky character and you're right she is more unique than she's the most unique yeah character um, well, let's round it out with Leslie Jones as Patty. She was fine. I don't really know Leslie Jones. Uh, as a comedian? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think she played the part of like New York girl, New Yorker pretty well. So I, I agree. I think after um, Kate McKinnon as Holtzman, uh, the Leslie Jones character, Patty, is the most memorable and interesting. Um one thing that gets pointed out about this character, though, so we talked about how in the original Ghostbusters, Winston is a little underserved. Correct. And in this one, we have basically a Winston stand-in, the only African-American character of any real weight in the film. And yet, th- so the three white characters are all scientists, right? Yes, that's very true. They stay true to the Winston archetype archetype in that way yeah but like she doesn't get to be you know all the other three are all like super highly educated and geniuses and her big thing is like well i know new york really well which is an important yeah it helps uh, an important skill to have but why can't she be a scientist too i mean i absolutely agree um but i do understand what they were trying to they wanted a blue collar new yorker character well, why not make Melissa McCarthy that character? And I think that, I, again, I 100% agree. Yeah. I think that that would have been fine. And I definitely didn't notice that. Yeah. Well, I felt like I should point that out. And that all being said, I think uh, Leslie Jones, together with Kate McKinnon, those two were responsible for the most laughs that came out of me in this film. So she did a good job. Absolutely. I want to mention that uh, I think maybe I was wrong. I think maybe Chris Hemsworth is my favorite Chris. Uh-huh. Well, I did see him most recently. Yeah. God, he is so a lovable. good-looking man, too. So handsome. And he can dance. And he can dance. And he's really funny. I know. That's what the most, that's the most charming thing about him. Yeah. Is that he's just so, he's so funny. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of that thing where a lot of, a lot of this movie is just focusing on a funny person and letting them riff. That was also very much the case with Chris, bleh, with Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, apparently when he came in, they didn't think he could be funny. And this movie surprised everyone, including the people making it. They're like, oh, Chris Hemsworth actually is pretty funny. They're like, it's not fair. You can't be this handsome and this funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, there is that. And then also there's the fact that uh, if you look at the uh, trajectory of his career... He starts getting much more comedic roles after this. Like Thor 1 and Thor 2 are both very like, I am Thor and I'm going to beat the crap out of you and be Shakespearean God Marvel character. And then after this, Thor Ragnarok comes out, which is basically just a straight comedy. 
Right. With, okay. a, with some actions. It, oh, but... uh, really? well, it's a lot funnier, I guess, basically, because Chris Hemsworth proved that he could be. I can do it. Comedic. Yeah. And he sure can. Uh, lastly, I want to single out Neil Casey as the bad guy, Rowan. He plays a fantastic creep. He sure does. He just has a creep face. I know. It's really unfortunate, but also like good for you for capitalizing on it. Absolutely. And I have, I've seen him in so many random things. Mm-hmm. And I'm always happy to see him. Mm-hmm, me too. He's, uh, I mentioned to you while we were watching, but just to get it on the pod. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Derek Comedy? It's um, yes. Donald Glover's college sketch troupe. They made a movie called Mystery Team. And Neil Casey shows up at the end and is very funny. And with like two or three lines right there at the end. Yeah. There are a lot of people in that who went on to have huge careers. Absolutely. Well, I'm talking about Mystery Team. No, I know. Oh, okay. oh I sorry. Thought... Derek. Comedy. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, all right. We're, we're yeah, in the same right. All right. All right. Cool. Um, and then, of course, there's a ton of cameos, but we'll get to them. So many. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to those. I actually, I know you know, I know you think that I hate men in movies, but uh-huh. I loved all the comedic. Male, actually, just all the actors. Oh, anyone in particular? Actors. I mean, anyone in particular. <laughs> um, Charles, just, uh, Charles just... Dance, Ed Begley Jr., Zach Woods. I love Zach Woods. Yeah, he's great. I would have loved to have seen evil Zach Woods, though, I have to say. Matt Walsh. Um, Michael Kenneth Williams. Michael Kenneth Williams, who is also an amazing comedic actor. He's very funny. Uh, is You know, he's he's a diamond We'll we'll mention all those people when we come up to them in the plot. I we'll think. get back to that. We'll get back to that. Yeah. We'll circle back to that. The movie begins and the opening scene, we get this. Zach uh, Woods. We get Zach Woods being a tour guide in this haunted house that is not in New York City. <laughs> yes, it is. It's what the, the movie says it is. So oh, it is. Of course. Never mind. Well, Movies anyway. Just don't lie, Dave. Uh-huh. I think this opening scene is actually pretty good. Like when I so when I first saw this in the theaters, uh, the opening scene I feel like set a pretty good tone, and I felt encouraged by it. And I also like Zach Woods quite a bit, so I was kind of like, this might be a pretty good film. And I did like that they found time to include a river of slime, straight sliming. Yeah. After that, we're introduced to Aaron. Yes. Oh, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was it weird for you, the fact that they said Aaron like 10,000 times during the course of this movie? Actually, not really. It, I mean, did you feel weird watching 2001 A Space Odyssey? No, but I feel like they don't say Dave as many. T- like, Aaron, at least in the first half of this movie, they say Aaron so much. I mean, I did get the best. I mean, I'm going to steal one of Aaron's lines next time I meet. I mean, next time I meet a Hemsworth. Oh, please go on. I'm going to say, you know, my name's Aaron with an E for everything you want. Mm. I have to do it in a. I have to do it in a Kristen wig, awkward. It like, wasn't slick when she did it, Aaron. Yeah, but well, I anyway, still liked it. I did really like that the title of her book was Ghosts from Our Past, both literally and figuratively. Yeah, that was a great title. There's a lot of little, there's so much little comedy, like, sprinkled throughout this movie. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, tiny little asides and quips and little things. I am also usually a sucker for the running joke where someone has, like, a book and the person keeps trying to deny it. And then they're like, but it says right here. 
this is not a joke. This <laughs> but, is very real. Yeah, your first line is, this is not a joke. How is that the first line? I don't know. I also don't know why she would get fired from her professor job so easily. Well, for... because she's an embarrassment and she reflects on the university. It seemed a little rash to me. Yeah, but that's what that's Charles, Charles Dance, Dance does. Though, yeah. yeah, he's harsh. A harsh so, master. I think the scene would have been better when he was firing her if he was also gutting um, a, a stag. Deer. Yeah. yeah. I think that would have added a lot to the scene. Yeah, or he like poisons all of them at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, Aaron goes to see her old friend Abby, who she betrayed. And uh, this is where we get that running joke throughout the movie about the wontons and the soup. Mm-hmm. This is kind of what I'm talking about where I feel like, I don't know if this is in the script or not, but I, I guess it's sort of funny and it's sort of funny that it's a runner but it's one of these jokes that just like it keeps coming back and it's, you know, kind of mildly humorous, but like it they really could have just cut this like entirely and they would have saved a few minutes. Sure. And maybe put in some other things instead of this joke that might have been better if it was in the movie proper. Maybe. I mean, again, it does go along with my prediction that it's more geared towards being a comedy. So I feel like they just want to really include a lot of comedy all right, all right, fair enough um, for better or worse but no. and uh, we also meet Holtzman in the scene and I have to say you know I already have mentioned that I think she's the best part but also I mean she makes such a strong impression right away mm. like Holtzman is so distinct it's almost like she's from a different movie right you know Abby and Aaron are both they're not both straight women Aaron's definitely more of the straight woman but um it sounds funny yeah, I, I I mean that in the context of you know, comedy. Well, no, just for the listeners' sake. I see. Uh, I but, mean, but to be clear, Kate McKinnon is a lesbian. She is indeed. Yes, but but like she's also just much more of a colorful, interesting character than the other two. Yes, she's quirky. Um, we also get uh, in this scene a fart joke. Yes, which is then turned into a queef joke. And all I could think in my mind and what I put down in my notes was, I was thinking, yay, feminism. Yay, feminism. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of things in this movie that are yay, feminism, mm. I think. And it's, it, uh, you know, I wonder so much how much of that was in the original script and how much of that was added later as a reaction to the reaction to the movie, you know, where they were like doubling down on it. Sure, they're, yeah, absolutely. I think, first of all, that's, scene kind of sets up the fact that you know kate mckinnon and melissa mccarthy they're not girly girls they are like fart joke girls queef joke girls they're queef joke girls and again of course you uh kristen wig is set up as this stuffy kind of um, prissy prissy repressed uptight uptight girl and so you know there's our balance and although of course by the end she's come around to their side of things right about a third of the way through the movie she stops wearing dresses yeah um oh i'm sorry but just one more comment on that there is a scene very much in the beginning where kristen wig is reading something on the screen and it's a comment that says ain't no bitches gonna hunt no ghosts yeah and she's like no 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 never mind don't look at that Okay, well, that was included, I think. Well, that definitely was. So, um, 
when the backlash started against this movie, they did say they went back and shot a few more scenes to specifically speak to that. And there is a scene partway through the film where they've uploaded a video to YouTube and they're reading the comments on it. And it's all this uh, misogynistic online trollery. Like, right. ain't no bitches gonna bust no ghosts. And that scene in particular, we know was added as a comment on what was going on. But there's a lot of other stuff in the movie where I'm less sure if it was added before all that or after all that. And it makes me very curious, you know, and and we'll talk about Rowan a little bit more later. But like, there's an extent to which he's kind of a misogynistic antagonist and how much of that was originally in there and how much of that was added later. I don't know. So, and I can say I save this till the end of the plot, but the the way in which they defeat him yeah. in the end is yay feminism, yay feminism. Yeah. So they go to the haunted house where Zach Woods got attacked, and um, there's goop on the floor. And in true Hollywood fashion, the moment that Kristen Wiig notices that there's some goop, she just sticks her hand just right in it. Sticks her hand right, on, right well, in let it. Let me just pick this. Oh, I've got some disgusting goo on the bottom of my shoe. Let me just pick it up and move it around my fingers. I live in New York City, and this is something that I would do in my regular life. Come on. Yeah, I mean, what if I was living in New York, I would just think that was a pile of, like, snotty spit. I would think like it was windy. edible. You know, just, like, chow down on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could be the stuff. This is also the introduction of a a running joke about Pringles. There is a lot of product placement in this movie. Well, that's the thing, Erin. Pringles was not a sponsor of this film. Interesting. So it's not product placement. It was just a random joke they included. Well, there was also the 7-Eleven joke. I don't know if they were sponsors or not, but the Pringles thing was, I mean, I guess it's, I tend to find it kind of funny if people are eating in the middle of a scene, but the specificity of the Pringles, while kind of funny, was also a little weird and distracting. Absolutely. They also, I feel like Dave and Buster's is kind of heavily featured Yeah. at once, at one point. And I guess, I don't know, I don't know if, I honestly do not know how movies get funded. I don't know <laughs> if these things are actually, um, if these companies are actually paying money, but Especially the Pringles in the 7-Eleven was like, bam. Yeah, right in your face. This is right after this where we meet Leslie Jones, and it's made very clear that she is not a scientist like she the other three. She is not a scientist. She works for the subway. Yeah, she is a sassy blue-collar employee right. of the New York subway system. We also meet Rowan, who is our our antagonist, and he's creating these, um, these ghost conjuring machines they like amplify the ley lines and summon ghosts or give them more enough power to break through the other side it's kind of interesting that he's he's a super genius yeah you know and he knows it and that's obnoxious yeah that's why we don't like him i see i see um but uh i i think i i appreciate what they're going for with his character but there's a certain extent to which i think it gets a little heavy-handed sure yeah. It's coming on too strong. And also, the whole point of his character is that he's so off-putting and people don't like being around him. But there are also several points where there's scenes with him where people treat him like shit. Like his boss is calling down to him and he's like, hey, Frico, get on over this. And then there's a scene later where he's in a diner and two waitresses are like, it's your turn to deal with him. Uh, he's the- well, to be fair, that is exactly how that would go down. 
I understand that. And he is like a weird off-putting person, but I also, it like to a certain extent, it backfires because it makes me feel bad for him. Hmm. You know, like here's this person who's a little different and it means that everyone either makes fun of him or doesn't even want to have anything to do with him. They don't even want to serve him at a diner. Well, it's in the way that he's different. He's different in the way that he's like, I am much smarter than you. I know. And it's off-putting. And it's like, uh, and he's gotten to the point where what he's doing is a choice. But that choice is also sort of a defense mechanism where like he's probably been made fun of so much that like he's just leaning into it, you know? And, you know, that gets addressed later, too, where when he's talking to the Ghostbusters about he's doing this because he was bullied, basically. And they're like, we've been bullied. And we're, we're not dicks. Exactly. So, you know, I'm not I'm not pushing this that hard. But a couple of times I did feel sort of bad for him is all I'm saying. So, OK, you're you're a Rowan sympathizer. A tiny bit. Mm, interesting. Also, I hate women. I know you do, Dave. I yeah. know. No. OK, good. Just so long as we're on the same page. Um. And so the Ghostbusters are formed, or they're on their way to being formed anyway, and they start looking for a place to work. What is their original name? It's way too complicated. <laughs> it's, it's it's very long. I know I know Kristen Wiig has something. It's like the paranormal searching and de- uh, blah, blah, blah. Ghostbusters is much catchier. Hmm. Um, but they, they check out the original firehouse, and it's yeah. way too expensive. I, I mean, I wonder how they're paying for everything, to be honest. Well, Yeah. I, I think it is a nice little sly commentary on gentrification in New York. Yeah. Just the fact that the firehouse in the original was meant to be, like, shitty and run down. Right. You know, and now they can't even afford that. Right. But the thing is... So they go to Boston. Yeah. they, they <laughs> New York is so expensive that they have to work it out of Boston. <laughs> like, that's how far out of town they are. Yeah. So the place they find is on top of a Chinese joint. The Chinese joint that uh, Abby has been ordering from, in fact, which is actually kind of funny. Yeah, that is funny. But here's the thing. And for those of you who are not from Boston, you may not have noticed this, but that location is a very prominent and recognizable location in Boston's Chinatown to the point where it's very, very distracting. Yeah. Every time they show the outside of that building, it, it like it destroys your sense of. Uh, it, it destroys your ability to suspend disbelief and accept what's going on because it's just like, here's Boston, and in the next scene, they're walking down the street in New York, and you're just like, nope. Like, the, the, the Ecto-1 pulls out of that garage, turns down the street into Boston Chinatown towards that dumpling shop, yep. and then the next scene, it's on fucking Broadway, you know? Right. And I'm just like, nope. No. It, you know, it's not a big deal, and I know how movies work, so I'm not saying it's terrible or anything, but it's just such a recognizable spot. It was a little distracting. Anywho. I understand. Yeah. Chris Hemsworth shows up. He's going to be their secretary. And I'm sure you appreciated this, Aaron. He was immediately objectified. Thank God. Yeah. Did you like that? I didn't think it was enough. No? Go no. on. Uh, tell me more. I would have liked more objectification it was very it was actually quite uh sterile in the way that uh melissa mccarthy's like stop it we're gonna get sued well i mean don't stop what do you want you want chris and wig to just throw him down and rape him right there in the middle of the scene no because that is sort of what you said no i didn't say that that's not not something i ever said oh then i wrote it down (laughs) that was I, i wish you would just rape him already were those your words? 
am I, am I on a gotcha? Is this a gotcha? <laughs> All right, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, he's also very, very dumb. Yeah. It's so attractive. Is it? <laughs> is being stupid an attractive quality in men? No, not really. But it is on Chris Hemsworth. Is it? Yes. Oh, all right. That Mike Hat joke is so fucking stupid. That is the worst joke in this entire movie by far. Yeah. That was a bad joke. Uh, a bad joke. My first time in the theater when I heard that part and what the the whole like no glass in his glasses thing, I started being like, uh oh, this movie might suck after all. But yeah. uh, anyway, so they hire him because he's pretty, and we get our first attempt to catch a ghost in the subway. Right. And, uh, you know, I think it's pretty cool. We get our first uh, our first use of the proton packs. What do you think of the, um, like, the special effects in this, like the ghost effects and well, the weaponry effects? That part was definitely a homage to the first movie, I think. Just um, uh, the weaponry or? Both. I would say both. I mean, the special effects are very retro. You think? Yeah, absolutely. The way, like, the bright colors, the... Um, sort of fakeness like it all looks really fake i definitely think that that made me feel it had like a feel of the first one to me i i think the um the the weaponry like the proton packs and the other weapons they design does look very much of a piece with the original ghostbusters just updated i thought the ghost effects were a little distinct um although we do the ghost in this scene where they're trying to catch one in the subway does look a lot like uh what is it, the Scolari brothers from Ghostbusters 2? Oh. Oh my god, yes. the Scolari brothers! Yes, yes. I tried him for murder! Gave him the chair! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at the, least one of them. We didn't get the fat one, though. It's yeah. kind of the f- more fun the one. The fun one, yeah. yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, you know, so that fails, but they decide, you know what? We, we know ghosts are real. We're, we're going to really get into this. But we need a car. And so Leslie Jones provides a car, and we find out that her uncle runs a funeral parlor. Yes, we do. Now, it's not a church. It's not, but... It's pretty close. It's still potentially religious, right? Sure. I mean, I It was know. nice that he was... What's the actor's name again? I'm so sorry. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson was in it, though. Yeah, I, I liked that he showed up. A little bit after this, we get uh, Aaron's Aaron's background, her story about her childhood, this sad story. Yeah, which, okay. What did you think of this? It felt kind of, I don't know, sapped up a little bit. Really? I, I thought, like, just the way it was presented. Mm-hmm. You know what it reminded me a little bit of? Have you ever seen Gremlins? Yes. You know the scene I'm talking about where uh, she's talking about how she hates Christmas because one year her dad dressed up as Santa and then coming down the chimney, he broke his neck and got stuck in the fireplace. It's been so long since I've seen that movie, but that is ringing a bell. Yes. Yeah. It is just and, you know, and, you know, so he like disappears and weeks later they're starting a fire. Oh, God. And yes. Then they look in and, it's, and it was my dad. And that's why I hate Christmas. And it's it, this felt kind of the same where it's like and then every night. It appeared. Yeah. 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 Um, and then all the kids called her Ghost Girl, which is like not a very clever. It's not that bad. Nickname. I and was called much worse. Like what? 
I don't think that's appropriate for a podcast of this nature, Aaron. Okay. Kids are cruel. Much crueler than Ghost Girl. Okay. So we get, at this point, our Bill Murray cameo. And I gotta say, he kind of sucks in this movie. He's not very interesting. I, I, he's not the best cameo. No, he's playing. So he's playing a debunker of right, uh, the paranormal. Yes, very ironic. Very flipping the script. But he just seems like he's sleepwalking through this movie. Like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, he's like a Wes Anderson Bill Murray, where he just kind of seems deadpan, tired all the time. Well, but not even because, but not in a good way, like in Wes Anderson. Movies. Right? Yeah, in a Wes Anderson movie, at least he seems it's engaged. Work. Yeah, you know, okay. in this, he just sort of like he walks in, he immediately sits down because he actually seems like he's tired. Yeah. Do you mind if I well? sit? Can I sit for the scene. Well, no, actually, we had no. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna sit I'm, for I'm gonna, this. Scene. I'm gonna sit for the scene. Yeah, exactly. And he's wearing this, uh, you know, in contract contrast. I think also he's wearing kind of a really suited up suit, three piece suit. Yeah, the three piece suit, pocket watch and cane, and top hat. Yeah, no, he's 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 the like he's Walter Peck in this. He is Walter Peck in this because I don't really feel like there's any reason for his character to be so dressed up. There's really no reason for his character to be in the movie. No, this is another thing that they could have cut for time and then included something better instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, he gets thrown out a window, so thankfully we don't have to deal with him for very long. And also, that special effect also seemed kind of dated. Cheap. I, yeah. I yeah. think, I I feel like that's more of, I don't know if they're just like, that's a homage to 80s. I don't think it was. I think it's it just, just looked bad. Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, that's my I'm giving, theory. I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt, I suppose. I don't think it, I don't think this movie earns that. Gotcha. Unfortunately. Even though I don't think it's a terrible film, I just, I don't think it necessarily. But we get it. You hate women, Dave. We get it. Thank you. <laughs> God, you finally get it. Turns out there's a ghost at a metal show. And I think this is actually one of the better scenes in the movie. I'm just rolling my eyes at the cameo, but continue. Yeah. Um, And at this point, I think, is the point in the movie where basically everything's fully formed. So we got the Ecto-1 is completely put together as the Ghostbuster car. Uh, We get a remix of the song when we're on the way. Like a really hip, modern remix, I might add. And um, we get the reveal of the full crew fully kitted out in the jumpsuits and the proton packs and all together ready to go. So here we are with a fucking Ghostbusters. Let's bust some ghosts. And it's not a bad scene. Honestly, I thought it was a, you know, a rousing action scene. Yeah, no, it's fun. Um, I just, it's such an unnecessary cameo from Ozzy. Osborne. Yes. I'm like, what? Why? Yeah, it, you know, the other cameos, it's like, well, Bill Murray and, you know, Dan Aykroyd. They Makes were, sense. What the fuck is Ozzy doing what here? What the fuck was that? Or like some of the other cameos, at least they're actors. Yeah. You know? And it looked so thrown in. He's just like, oh, I'm Ozzy Osborne for some reason. Yeah, and he's in like quoting movie. his show. He's like, hey, Sharon. Sharon. You know, I'm like, yeah. so you're referencing a reality show from like 10 years ago at that? Like, what is going on here? Why are you here? Like, why were they like, you know what would make this scene work better? Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. Yes. What's he doing right now? Let's call him. Nothing. <laughs> um, a couple of things that stood out to me in this scene that I really liked, though, is uh, one, uh, I do like the Kate McKinnon line where she startles Kristen Wiig and then she's like, is it the wig or the hat? Yeah, you mentioned that was your favorite joke. I mean, it's good. Yeah. Well, it's not my favorite joke. That okay. comes later, but it is one of my favorite jokes. I just, I don't know. Her facial expression is great and her delivery of the line is very like deadpan and hilarious. I, I like it a lot. 
Um, but what I also like is that in any movie where crazy shit happens, there's usually one character who it is their responsibility to be the one person in the movie who has a normal person reaction to things. In this movie, that's Leslie Jones. Yeah. Because she's the only one who walks around looking for ghosts and is like, this is scary and I'm not cool in this. And then she walks into a room of creepy mannequins. Yes. And is like, fuck that. I am out of here. That's a room of nightmares. She said something that yeah. I thought was quite funny. Yeah, it That's is. That's a room full of nightmares. I mean, honestly, I would have like bolted out of the entire building if I'd seen something like that. And then it starts following her and she didn't pee her pants like I would have. So congratulations on being brave. Well, uncon- well brave. I mean... Well, she didn't pee her pants. She didn't pee her pants. Like Zach Woods did at the beginning of this movie. Yeah, I just love Zach Woods. I know you Give do. me more Zach Woods. I want evil Zach Woods, too, because he gets real creepy when he wants to. Yeah, but we got Rowan already. We yeah. can't have too many creepy white dudes in this film. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get overloaded. That's uh, fair. <laughs> uh, so they get picked up by Matt Walsh and Michael K. Williams. Uh, you were saying this is a buddy cop movie. Oh my god, I want to watch that buddy cop movie so badly. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it until you mentioned it, but yes. And they're both really funny in they're, a small role. They are both really funny. Um, it would definitely be like Michael Kenneth Williams would be like the, the straight cop, but then would have his hilarious scenes. Mm. And Matt Walsh would be more of like the Will Ferrell type. It'd be like Will it would be like um the other guys, like Will Ferrell and Mark, Mark Wahlberg's chemistry, but I see it. Yeah, I, see I it. would watch that. I want to watch that movie. For, right I want now. that to be the sequel. Mm, well, we can uh, we can write it. All right, this I is... would. Should we? Should we write that movie? I would write that movie. Oh my god, is this really happening? This, I think th- I think we should do it. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Stop talking about it though, because someone will hear this and steal it. Okay. Okay. Just cut this out. Yeah. Um. I do. Uh, Michael K. Williams does have a line that I like in this too, in that he points out that the Ecto One has a distinctly un-American sounding siren. <laughs> I missed that line. Yeah, it's like you drive around a car painted all white with a ghost on it, <laughs> using a distinctly un-American sounding siren. <laughs> Just it makes me think of like you know, in like all the Jason Bourne movies, they have the European siren. I've never seen any of those movies. Hello. What the fuck? It's not really something I'm super interested in. What are we even doing here, Erin? We're talking about Ghostbusters. All right. Well, Jesus Christ. Okay. Putting that aside, because guess what, Erin? We'll get back to that. (laughs) But, um, you know how European car siren, uh, European police sirens. Yeah, it's that it? It's so off. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it's you know like, you're in Europe. Yeah, or the, the British two ring in the phone. Yeah. yeah. They do everything wrong over they there. They do. Ugh, it's all just, it's close, but it's just a little off. It's, it's so, just a little wrong. It's the yeah. uncanny valley of sounds. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we get a new rundown of all the new weapons that Holtzman has come up with. And I actually, this is one of my favorite things of this movie is the update of all the weaponry they have. Like, mm. they get very creative with it, and I appreciate that. They got, like, grenades and For shotguns sure. yeah. and the, that, uh, that wood chipper weapon. That's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They they definitely step it up a little bit with the weapons at that point. Yeah. Oh, and I, I forgot to mention this, uh, you know, they're picked up by uh, Matt Walsh and Michael K. Williams because they're t- taken to see the mayor. 
played by yeah. Andy Garcia. <laughs> and uh his assistant, Cecily Strong, who I actually think runs away with this movie in every she's, scene she's in. What else is she in? I've seen her in other things, but I can't think of them. SNL. Okay. Some Lonely Island videos. I'm not sure. Fair enough. But she's hilarious in this movie. I would go so far as to say she's the funniest person in the in the film. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I think she's really goddamn funny in this. So that is actually one of my predictions that yep. was a little bit correct. Yeah, yeah, there is sort of a Men in Black style thing going on where they're trying to suppress the truth. Do you want to talk about any other references? We'll get to that. Okay. They go after Rowan, and we get our cameo from Annie Potts. Oh, yes. Ghostbusters. How can I direct your call? Um, And Rowan kills himself. Hmm. Well, that's easy. Seems right. Like, seems wow. Like the good okay. Guys won. Thank God. Yeah. Nothing further to look into there. Let's. Well, the thing is, they do look into it. Yeah. And Kristen Wiig discovers Rowan's incredibly detailed, incredibly well drawn. So well drawn. He's a talented artist. Yes. You know, if I think much like Hitler, if people just appreciated his art more, maybe he wouldn't mm. have been such a bad guy later in life. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. But they discover that his plan all along was to die and become a ghost, which is, I would argue, a very clever little twist. Sure. In a Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, yeah having the, I mean, because I was up until that point, I was like, okay, we kind of have two human bads. There's nothing, there's no other than. There's no ghost bad guy. Other than Gertrude Eldridge, which oh, she is just so shrill. <laughs> she sure is. But, you know, th- those are all like, those aren't like bad guy, like final boss bad guys. You know? Right. I, and, you know, it harkens back to what I said earlier about how the Ghostbusters 3 plot kept being kicked around that Bill Murray would become a ghost. Right. It's not exactly the same, but having the bad guy deliberately become a ghost, I think, is a clever little twist. So Sure. Yeah. He then possesses Abby and kicks the crap out of everybody. I think it's pretty funny, that whole scene, just... Uh, the head turning and the Leslie Jones's reaction fun. to it. Yes. Like, oh my God. Again, the I, only one having a normal reaction. It's true. And I am always a sucker for physical comedy. So having her slap Melissa McCarthy in the face a couple of times. She bitch slapped the ghost out of her. Yeah. Who'd have thought that would work? Right? Unfortunately, though, he just goes straight to Chris Hemsworth and takes him over. Understandably, because if I could wear Chris Hemsworth like a suit, mm-hmm. goddamn right I would. Yeah. I mean, it's such a such a wish fulfillment fantasy. If I could just wear Chris Hemsworth. If I could, like, when you whisper, it makes it really creepy when you say that. I just wish I could open all on his back oh. and drain out all of his blood and bones and organs, and then just slip my body into his. Okay. And walk around in Chris Hemsworth's skin for a little while. Totally, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, um, and. Uh, you know, they go after him. But in the meantime, Kristen Wiig has discovered Rowan's plan. So she goes to talk to the mayor about it. And this is what we we're going to get back to, which is, Aaron, you finally see the full flower of my plan. Yes, I do. This whole time I was making you watch movie after movie just so that you would get one kind of funny joke in a kind of funny movie. And to be fair, when I was thinking about the bad the human big bad i did think of jaws yeah so the what we're talking about is what i think is the funniest line in this whole film which is kristen wig 
goes to Andy Garcia, the mayor, and tells him what's going to happen, but he's not going to do anything about it. And so she begs him, don't be like the mayor from Jaws, <laughs> which, of course, offends the shit out of him. And his response is, don't you ever compare me to the Jaws mayor, which I laughed really hard in the theater. It's, it's very funny. Yeah. I mean, it's as a mayor, that's got to be the ultimate insult, right? You're the Jaws mayor. That's pretty bad. How dare you? How dare you? Excuse me. How dare you? Everything starts going to hell. And uh, we get our Dan Aykroyd cameo. Which I thought was very good. Did you? I thought it sucked. Really? I thought he did a good cabbie. Yeah, but like his line is like, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. And I'm like, well, that's cheesy as shit. Yeah. Cheesy as shit. Yeah, absolutely. But I just thought his characterization was good. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I actually don't even think I remember the dialogue. I was just like, ah, look. Well, he, he like uses a lot of ghost jargon, too. So he's basically like this cabbie who inexplicably understands ghosts inside and out. And so it's like, so is he the character from the original who's driving a cab now? Like, what's going on with this person? Like, it's confusing. Yeah. I you understand know, that. It, 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 like, it's nonsense. So, so so far you think Bill Murray's cameo did not work. Vance, uh, Vance, um, Dan Aykroyd's cameo did not work. Annie Potts' cameo was fine. Okay. And I think that's all we've had so far. But we get another one right away, which is the Slimer cameo. <laughs> Yay. I like Slimer. You know, whatever. And he very much looks 80s. Yeah, they got his design right. Um... A little thing about Slimer. So do you know the whole thing with him about who he's supposed to be? No. So in the original, the people who made it like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and all of them, they were all close friends with John Belushi. Oh, okay. And he was uh, at least theoretically supposed to be in Ghostbusters maybe, but he died and they created Slimer sort of in his image as an homage to their dearly departed friend. And they take that a bit of a step further in... This one. So in the first one, you know, Slimer's always stuffing his face, kind of like uh, John Belushi's character in Animal House. Mm -hmm. Uh, In this one, when Slimer is driving the Ecto-1, he has that girl Slimer with him. Right. Which her design kind of reflects how at the end of Animal House, John Belushi's character kidnaps this girl and drives away with her. And eventually, like, you know, it's described that they get married and become... Oh, well, that's know. sweet. Yeah, so it's just they, they take that homage a little bit further, and it is very cute. So I did like that. And then one more cameo comes up as this action scene gets going, which is the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Who looks like he was just, oh, no, that's not that I'm thinking no, of not someone. Yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, the thing about the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man being this is that it further raises this question that came up with the Dan Aykroyd cameo, which is how much of this takes place in the original universe? Like, why? Like, because he's one of these balloons that are going, he's a ghost balloon. Right. So why is there a ghost balloon to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man? Like, did the original movie happen in this universe? Did the movie happen in this universe? Well, no, I mean, first, yeah, I guess, is there a parade happening? I can't even... It's a ghost parade. It's a ghost parade. Yeah, they're the ghosts of parades past, I'm assuming. Okay, gotcha. Well, I mean, there was, there's gotta be a state puffed marshmallow man balloon in like the Macy's Day Parade or something. Well, but because Ghostbusters is a movie in our world, is it in that world? I don't know. It's hurting my brain. Yeah. 
Anyway, so this launches us into a big action scene. What did you think of the the big action scene here? It was fun. I really liked, um, I actually really did like Kate McKinnon's sort of a solo, solo battle. Solo battle. That yeah. was very cool looking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the color, I mean, the colors throughout this whole movie are so, um, the complementary green and red, but with the pink and twists I also, on the colors. And the blue for the ghosts, and I the think, blue was very striking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like this action scene, too. Uh, ge- uh, generally speaking, I think most of the action sequences, like the capturing the ghost at the middle show and this one here at the end, are pretty fun and rousing. Yeah. Like, you know, when I, again, when I saw it the first time in the theaters, my reaction to it was, and remains to be kind of lukewarm, not to spoil the end when we do our opinions, but, you know, not too high, not too low, but occasionally like in these scenes where they're like actually finally battling it and like you know the the ghostbusters theme comes in and it's you know rocking out i'm not gonna say i got like choked up or anything but i felt kind of roused you know sort of like yeah you know it's a new generation of ghostbusters kicking ass like i felt it sure and you know a little bit and you did feel like they're training kind of up into that point and struggle and that included uh, Leslie Jones's character, which was nice. Yeah, and and the creation of all these new weapons that they get to yeah. use in fun ways. Yeah, it was cool. A little 2.0 action there. Right, yeah. Although I will say it was a little weird in that, so they, they go into the scene with the proton packs as their first weapon, but those are... Proton packs just catch them and hold them in place so they can put them in a box. So what is the purpose of using them in this fight you know yeah like what are they just like throwing the ghosts around like how, what is that supposed to accomplish i don't think you should think about it too deeply obviously not but maybe the screenwriter should have anyway mm. it's it's i'm being nitpicky but it you know i understand no it, i get it, it. it is There's a, scene a lot that of I those like. types of things yeah so um they they finally get to rowan wearing his chris hemsworth suit and all the people are frozen in place in that dance Unexplic- unexplicably right are you sure that's the word? I hate you. Yeah. You said when we were watching this, it kind of feels like there was more to that. Yeah. There was. And so I've, I've kept saying throughout that, like, they could have cut some things to save time to include something more. This is it. They include. So for those of you who haven't seen it or didn't stay through the credits, this scene, Rowan as Chris Hemsworth has frozen all of the national guard and police in a dance move and it's kind of weird and during the credits it shows that this is actually a scene that they did shoot where he's forcing all of them to dance and he's dancing in front of them and he's making them all dance too and it's a funny cool scene super fun you get to see again matt's uh matt walsh and uh michael uh williams dancing it out chris hemsworth too yeah. yeah it's great and like i enjoyed watching it over the credits but like dude cut the wonton joke and put it in the actual movie right you know i i would have enjoyed that it's it would have been the best part of the movie the best part of the movie is over the credit sequence it's true come on i mean I'm- you think but i mean did the movie really need like a thriller dance yes but even if it didn't, does it really need, like, this joke about wontons or all of these, like, small, like, dialogue-based asides? Cut three minutes worth of these improvised dialogue jokes and have this really cool dance sequence that you spent all this time 
shooting with all these extras. You know, there was like dozens of people involved in shooting this scene. You it's wasted true. their time. You did. And also, I mean, that probably took a long time, all that cor- like choreographing. Yeah. That lays on Paul Feig's shoulders, I guess. They get past them, though, and they confront Rowan, and Rowan takes the form of the Ghostbusters logo. Yes, he does. And so they basically fight the logo, which, you know, I get... It's kind of interesting, but I wonder if this is one of those things that they redid as sort of a fuck you to the people who are being too precious about the original. Maybe. It feels like that, right? Especially because at the end, they defeat him, as you mentioned, and I said we'd circle back to it, and here we are doing it. <laughs> they win. It. We did it. They win in the end by shooting it in the dick. Oh, yeah. They win in the end by shooting it in the dick. Yeah. In the dick. In the dick. Um, Just shot him in the dick. Dave, you have to stop whisper saying things. It's <laughs> making me so uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I'll stop. Uh, dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, well, seriously. Like, well, I mean, in the first one, I was like, they combined their dick power to, like, defeat this female god. And now all these women are shoot, putting their powers together to shoot this uh, dude, bad guy in the dick. Yeah. Hooray. That does seem like maybe it could have been added after, I don't know, you're right. Also, I just would like to say the costuming on that ghost was, it just looked so much like a velvet suit to me. It was strange. Or someone who was wearing a onesie. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was really weird. And not at all threatening. Yeah. Which I guess it doesn't have to be, but like it looked a little too goofy. It just looked too velvety. Yeah. No, it, it really looked kind of dumb. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. But anyway, so they save the city and uh, um, Aaron saves Abby, jumping after the friend that she betrayed, who she's right. not going to abandon twice. Very yeah. sweet. And her hair turns white. That's fun. And also gets very dry and stringy. And also gets very dry and stringy. Whatever. I'm sorry. Um, But the four of them are together at the end, hanging out, and Holtzman gives a very lovely little emotional speech. And she delivers it in that awkward way of someone who doesn't normally reveal themselves. That was actually very cute. Yeah, I really liked that scene. And Cecily Strong comes back and is basically like, sorry guys, we're going to bury this again, but thank you. Yeah, no, I kind of liked that. I mean... The, so my like Republican kind of bad guy, they're like the bad guys, but they're not like Jaws Mayor bad. No, they're not. And they're not explicitly Republican. No, I know. I but know. um, And also they fail to truly quash the public's knowledge of what happened because we see at the end the entire city. We see you, Ghostbusters. Yeah. We see you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's it, you, you mentioned, so the whole city has done their lights up in Ghostbuster tributes so that the Ghostbusters can see, because I guess they know where the Ghostbusters live so they can make sure they get the right angle on the buildings. Anyway, you asked if hackers did this. I don't think so, but it does actually very much mirror the ending of the movie Hackers. It, that's literally what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it's just so weird. I mean, I get what they were going for, but it's also like, I don't think New Yorkers would either be interested nor capable of accomplishing this. I I agree. Yeah. And here at the very end, we get a couple more cameos. We get Ernie Hudson finally shows up. Finally. Who? 
I, I don't know. He just he was barely in it, so I can hardly say. <laughs> and you kept wondering where she was through the whole movie. But My girl Sigourns. Again, Sigourns. Sigourney Weaver was saved Sigourney. saved for the credits. It's Sigourney. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I can't get my brain around it. But like, you know, again, one of the best parts of the movie, this Sigourney Weaver cameo credit sequence. I'm pretty sure that was in her contract. Sigourney Weaver will only be in the end mm. of movies where you don't expect her to come. Fair, fair. And of course, like all modern films, we get a post-credit sequence. Ugh. I know everyone hates them, but uh, this is where we get the reveal. I get my Zool. You get your Zool on right there at the end. Zool is real and he's coming for them. And that's where we leave Ghostbusters. Let's take a quick look at um, how your predictions panned out. So you said, first of all, that this movie got a lot of shade for not being funny and particular girls not being funny. Aaron, do you think that that was the case here no i think that they were all funny yeah possibly maybe uh some of that shade was driven by misogyny i do believe so dave yeah we'll get back to that should we get back to that later we will okay you were right about the cast yep chris hemsworth melissa mccarthy kristen wig leslie uh, leslie jones kate mckinnon um all the cameos you were correct we got sigourney weaver uh bill murray dan Aykroyd. sigourney weaver was not the villain though i know I think that would have been great. Right? If she was a villain. I, I think they should have listened to you. I know. It's true. You predicted that this was not the same universe as the original, which is correct. But again, they blur the lines a couple times with yeah. some of those some of those moments where and to no real reason like there's no reason for it. They just want to be like, You get it? Yeah. Do you get it? Well, right. And that's not a good reason to include something. No. It wasn't funny and it didn't advance the plot. It was just sort of a, a an Easter egg. But Easter eggs shouldn't be so over the top. Agreed. You know? Anyway. It passed the Bechdel test. It did pass the Bechdel test. Did it pass it in reverse? It did. It yeah. did. Because um, men talked to each other? Men did talk to each other. I think it passed it. Uh, I was looking out for that when um, Zach Woods and Ed Begley Jr. are having a conversation about what's going on. It's pretty brief, though. I, I would it actually pause it that brief. maybe it doesn't. There's plenty of male dialogue. Between men? Yeah. Mm. Um, certainly not the focus. There's no uh, dialogue between two people of color. Sure isn't. So that's true. There was four people of color that I noticed in the movie, one of them being Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones, Michael Take out Kenneth. Eddie. Oh, yeah, and Michael Kenneth Williams, and then uh, the rent-a-cop that Chris yep. Hemsworth beats up. Yep. Yeah. Or he's not even a rent-a-cop, he's just a cop. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really pass... The same test. It doesn't pass the same test. For it doesn't pass the black Dell test. It doesn't pass the black Dell test. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nice um, job. Thank you. Uh, we talked about the human big bads. Uh, we talked about your hopes. So I'm so sorry, Aaron. No ghost eats out one of our main cast. I know. I, I know. There's, you know, there's a lot less overt sexuality than there was in the first one. Yeah, although, uh, as you hoped for, you did get the aggressive objectification of Chris Hemsworth. But not as aggressive, aggressive as if it, I feel like, as the original, though. Maybe not, but I mean, every time he was in the same scene with her, Kate, uh, uh, Kristen Wiig was basically just, like, splooshing all over the place, you know? Right, no, I, I mean, that was more just fun 
that was repressed Kate uh, Kristen Wiig, though. That was, like, repressive. It wasn't, like... So what you're saying, Erin, is that it's okay when girls do it? No, I'm saying that she didn't do it aggressively I enough. I wanted it. To, I wanted her to do it to the point where it wasn't okay, Dave. Oh, my God. I'm just joshing you, Erin. Don't get hysterical. Um, no, you're right. Uh, she, she <laughs> you nev- immediately are like, no, you're right. <laughs> but well, she never made him uncomfortable. Right, exactly. Um, do you think that there was a better backstory for Leslie Jones as compared to Ernie Hudson? Definitely. You actually understand why she's come to join the group. As opposed to answering a classified ad. Yeah. And she shows up earlier, too. She shows up much earlier. We get scenes of her alone, like establishing her backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, we know a lot about her. We, I, I know her motivation. I feel like I know this character. She's a girl from New York. You know who she is. I know who she is. Yeah. Um, and I, and she's very much encouraged and they're like, good job, Patty. You're so smart. Like, we really appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's definitely Which, more of that. There's more like. They never did that in the original. Exactly. Like, holy, sh-, they're like, holy shit, Patty, we need your help. Like. Constantly, you know? Dude, in Ghostbusters 2, Ernie Hudson saves their lives when that room catches on fire. Yeah. And they ne- they don't even really thank him. They don't. Yeah. They really don't. Um, so definitely better. I do agree that I wish... Uh, I mean, I just feel like that character is made for Leslie Jones, though. She is really good at playing that New Yorker. Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, blue-collar kind of character. But I agree with you. I wish that she could have been, a, like, a scientist and had... I think um, not so much Kristen Wiig, but I think um, Melissa McCarthy could play that character. Yeah. Flip him, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. Um, Zool shows up. (coughs) Zool? At the very, very end. Oh, yes. And uh, also, I think you are correct that the movie is aimed to be more obviously comedic. It's it's not as dry as the original. Yeah. So, okay. So now I want to circle around to the grotesque misogynistic online backlash <laughs> against this film and talk about that a little bit because you okay. can't you can't talk about this movie without talking about that. no i mean this is the first movie to do an all-female reboot right i think so yeah okay and explicitly so right you know? we are doing this all-female reboot yeah um so like we said the original is maybe a little weirdly to my eyes but it is very beloved and the online backlash to the idea of this reboot was immediate. To be fair, some of it was just the idea of rebooting it, but right. it really was especially to the fact that it was going to be all women. And, you know, I'm not sure how much of it was coordinated versus being the kind of like a mob style or piranha style attack. Like piranhas don't school like other fish. They just they're all individuals who attack mm. on their own, but because there's so many of them attacking on their own so hard, that's how they create that piranha effect of being so horrible and mobby. And I think trolls online can behave that way, where Absolutely. it's not a coordinated plan, but each person's individual attack is coming as a wave. So like that. aggressively. They're like piranhas, yeah. Interesting. That's a good analogy. Or yeah, well, thank simile. you. Um, but, but I think maybe in this case it was a little bit of both, you know? Um, and what I'm referring to is, uh, what you were looking at in terms of the reviews for this film Mm -hmm. or downvotes or, you know, bad stuff on IMDb. For example, the trailer for this movie. Oh boy. Did you hear about this? No, I'm just. 
So on the day that the first trailer for this movie came out, it got 12,000 likes and 13,800 dislikes on YouTube, which made it one of the most polarizing ever. Uh, by May of 2016, the trailer had become the most disliked film trailer on YouTube and the ninth most disliked YouTube video ever, with 280,000 likes versus over a million oh dislikes. God, over a million? Yeah, it was the most this- disliked thing ever it was a huge fucking deal and it leads one to wonder how much of it was coordinated how much of it was just you know individual piranhas and also how much of it was people who watched it and genuinely didn't like it versus people just being like i hate this idea i'm clicking thumbs down right and of course there is like a obviously a confirmation bias too when you go into a movie thinking you're gonna hate it absolutely um you haven't i'm gathering you haven't seen that video no I watched it. It's not a great trailer, but it's just sort of not a great trailer. You mm-hmm. know, it, it like I would never it would never even occur to me to express any kind of negative feeling about it, you know? Right. It, it, so it's it's it was clearly the victim of something. Uh the IMDb page was also a uh under attack like this. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. And honestly, this was the first time around where I looked at an IMDb, because I do use IMDb a lot. I should probably switch platforms, but I, I do use think Wikipedia it's, more. I do think it's interesting. Um, but there was just so much hate, so many bad reviews. I, I had like a 3.2. That's what – it was such a low user review that I was fascinated. I'm like, how can it be that bad? Know, like, and that's that, so bad. And now you've seen it and you it's see like the room. it has to have been motivated, right? Absolutely. Because – I think it's fair to say neither of us thought this movie was fantastic, but it doesn't deserve this vitriol. Definitely not a 3.2 movie. And I mean, you know, neither of us were as attached to the original, but like, come on. I I mean, it's that's absurd. Right. So um, as we mentioned earlier, uh, additional scenes were shot to serve as a meta reference to all this Internet controversy, like them looking at the uh, online comments and potentially some of Rowan's behavior. But I think it's interesting to pinpoint how much of Rowan's character was like that before versus after. Hmm. You know? Like, right. Because he, he basically, he's he's an internet troll. You know, the, the big bad of this movie is a big old internet troll. Absolutely. Yeah. Which, you know. Ugh, I mean, they can't have rewritten his whole character from top to bottom. So that has to have been at least somewhat part of it from the beginning. Do you think Paul Feig... Is that how I say his last name? Yeah, I think so. Um, do you think he anticipated so much hate? No, not this much. I think he anticipated a little, but not like this. Mm. Now, we uh, also have some even more disgusting stuff happening, which is after the movie came out, uh, Leslie Jones became the target of a lot of racist and sexist abuse on Twitter to the point where she had to leave Twitter for a while. Oh, my God. Yeah. We They're see- people the worst. I know. And th- this mirrors, this is this happens in other fandoms too. Like, for instance, members of the cast of The Last Jedi. Uh, that is a movie that uh, neither one of us particularly cares for that film, right? Oh, right. Yeah. But, uh, we saw Last right, Jedi together. Yep. Neither of us really liked it. But uh, it, it went through the exact same thing as this. Mm-hmm. Maybe not before the movie came out, but ap- definitely after where people piled on, particularly against uh, Kelly Marie Tran the girl who plays Rose in that movie, she had to leave Twitter too. I think um, oh, yeah. uh, Ray, uh, Daisy Ridley, 
she's also left some platforms because of the abuse she gets. And it's just, I, I mean, I feel about Star Wars the way a lot of these people feel about Ghostbusters. Yeah. And I really didn't like The Last Jedi. And yet, it would never occur to me to, I mean, it's not even, it's not, what are you doing? It's not the actor's fault. And the the inclusiveness is a plus. Right. You know, like, why are you going after them for that? Right. It, it just, you know, and like, if I have, you know, I think that this movie, Ghostbusters, has a lot of flaws, but it's, I, I lay most of them on the feet of Paul Feig and his directing and the editing of the movie. Absolutely. You know, it's, nothing in this movie is bad because of the cast. Like, it just, and also just the, the mind state of doing something like that baffles me. I completely agree. Like, how do you, I don't know. God, it's just, how do you hate the fact that it's women so much that you go out of your way? Or a non-white person. Or a non-white person. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know. And so it, you know, because this happens in a lot of fandoms, it raises, you know, this kind of broader question that we've been grappling with since all these things have been happening is this sense of entitlement and attachment and preciousness about these pop culture properties from your childhood like i get it i love these things too i am a star wars super fan right and yet at the same time like why the fuck does the phrase ruin my childhood come out of your mouth right you know like how and why is there so much misogyny and racism tied up in it it's because honestly those people are super privileged and don't even yeah. realize almost how privileged they are. That's a huge thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, irritatingly enough for someone like me is the fact that this grotesque behavior then completely muffles any valid criticism that you might have. Right. Like, I, you know. Which is infuriate, infuriating. You almost have to be a champion for the movie. Or at the very least, you feel like you can't say anything bad because I, I under no circumstances, want to be associated with this. Right. Yeah, and it turns you off of something that you once loved far more than any criticism that you might have had of this new thing that came out. It's the fan behavior afterward makes me not want to be a part of it anymore right you're like i don't want to be a fan of this yeah these levels of obsession are so unhealthy like i don't want to be around people like you right yeah so anyway that's kind of a downer but let's change topics then okay i mean yeah i do have a lot more to say about Uh, inclusion in movies or in general go ahead i mean i think it's good i think the fact that this movie was made is really important and it's really good because it gives a get used to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think the more you and to be perfectly honest, I know you think that I hate and it's an all milk cast. Well, I mean, I'm also just kind of teasing you. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it, it's totally teasable because I mention it all the time when I'm um, talking to you about movies. But I actually really like a balanced cast. Sure. Personally. Sure. Um, but I think the more you do these movies that are really showcasing all female characters or people of color or the the queer community. I think it's so important to just make that show that normalizing aspect of it. Like, look, this these are just people like this is not a big deal. Like when you have a casually gay or trans character, for example, I think that's so important to include. Um, the fact that they're women isn't like, it's not like, hey, you guys are a bunch of women doing this. Like, it's not – it's focused on but not, like, really focused on. Mm-hmm. And I think 
for the like younger generation, these things are just not going to – their world is going to be so much more balanced. They're going to have such a better representation than even we had like growing up in the 80s. And I think that's really important. I agree. And I hope you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, movies have such an influence sure. on the way we – uh, honestly act in society it shows us what is normal and what is acceptable yeah um it has a really in my opinion big responsibility in that way yeah which is why i think movies like this are really good even if they are maybe gimmicky sure. and maybe like a little bit like they fuel a lot of hate i think they're so really important yeah no absolutely i think you're totally right you know the, even though some of these things are silly Ch- uh, children's movies or children's books they do teach you moral lessons that you carry with you for the rest of your life right someone online said something that i thought was really apt to this which was um they were responding to someone who said something really grotesque and right wing online and they said it's foolish of you to think that a generation that grew up reading harry potter is going to accept fascism <laughs> and I was like, yeah yeah right on yeah yeah love it yeah me too so anyway, uh, just to wrap this up, talking about how this movie performed, uh, the bu- the budget of this movie was about $144 million. Want to guess the box office? Well, I feel like a lot of people would see this movie. What's box office mean, like opening weekend? Or does that mean total. all? I don't know. I think it means total. I'm taking this off Wikipedia. Maybe. So. I mean, people are going to watch it just to watch a train wreck. I'm going to guess at least $300 million? Not quite. It made $229 million. Well, that's not so bad. It's not. It made a profit. It turned a profit. You'd think so. No. Here's the thing. And uh, this is something I didn't know until I was reading up about this movie specifically, which is that when they give the budget, that's the budget for making the movie. It doesn't include the cost of marketing the movie, Um. which means when you look at the budget, This isn't hard and fast, but the rule of thumb is that you want to double it. So to turn a profit, uh, Paul Feig has said that for this movie to have turned a profit, it should have made about $500 million. Yeah, so this was, in fact, a box office bomb. Now, how much of that had to do with the quality of the movie itself or the marketing not being that great or the online backlash? I don't know, but it was not a successful film. That's interesting. I feel like the online backlash has a lot to do with that, if I had to think about it, to be honest. Could be. Honestly, I'm sorry. Just who would circle – like, how would you – why would you do that? Like, why would you – I don't know. I I don't have an answer for you. I wish I did. Is it someone that just hates Paul Feig? I don't think he's a great director, but I don't hate the guy. Right. Um. All right, so it's got reviews, but I don't consider them very trustworthy, at least the Rotten Tomatoes stuff. So I am going to just share a couple professional reviews with you. Okay. So on the positive side, Dana Stevens at Slate. She says, these women are having fun just being together and getting to don matching jumpsuits and wail on undead spirits. And their evident joy makes us happy to hop in the hearse for a ride along. When the fearsome foursome show up for the first time in full battle gear, striped jumpsuits, proton blasters, and all, there's a thrill in seeing an action movie team made up not only of women, but of women who fall blissfully outside the narrow definition of the Hollywood hottie. Mm. 
there's no just, basically you notice that there really isn't in this cast a traditional hot one right except for like chris hemsworth right right yeah or Kristen wig kind of but she always plays her looks down true and she's also older i think she's in her mid 40s yeah yeah um so yeah if anything you would think that uh, kate mckinnon would be done up as the hot one but she's made very weird right yeah on the negative side, you have Michael Phillips at the Chicago Tribune. He said, Full-on pans of the new Ghostbusters are wasting their vitriol. I also don't get the higher-end praise. Everything good about the, go- the new Ghostbusters has to do with gender, beginning and ending with Kate McKinnon. And then he compares her very favorably to Bill Murray in mm. the original. Everything bad about this movie has nothing to do with gender. It's size, it's over-reliance on visual effects, unspiced by wit. Mm. Fair. Mm. I think the person who gets it closest to how I feel about this movie is James Berardinelli, who wrote for Real Views. He said, This is a mediocre horror comedy that deserves neither high praise nor disparagement. Like many recent comedies, it's too long and not funny enough. I would agree with that. Long story short, uh, this movie did not perform well enough to get a sequel. It did have a limited uh, run comic that came out in a short series. And uh, as usual afterwards, Dan Aykroyd has been pitching more Ghostbuster stuff afterwards. However, mm. breaking news, oh, yeah. just as we got ready to start doing this uh, podcast, which should also date how far in advance we're recording this podcast, but whatever. This week, it was announced that uh, Jason Reitman, the son of the director of the OG Ghostbusters, Ivan Reitman, has announced that he is making a new OG series installment of Ghostbusters that is due out in 2020. So Ghostbusters 3 with the original crew. With the original crew minus... Harold Ramis, yes. Okay. So... That's Let's see how Bill Murray does in that movie if he just... Will he be as tired? Will, Will he be he... sitting down the He'll whole... He'll be sitting down the whole movie. Yeah. But um, so that's Ghostbusters 2016, which means, Aaron, you are now fully caught up on the Ghostbusters film universe. Right. I gotta ask, which one you like better, 1984 or 2016? <sighs> I really, I do like the 1984 one better. It's fair. I mean, but again, it's the reason I like it. I mean, it is better. Yeah. But also, I really enjoy watching movies from that time to gauge the social, like, the social atmosphere of the 80s and the fashion of the 80s. I always find it so interesting to watch movies. I learn a lot from about life from the sort of subtle notes of movies. It's like a time capsule. Right, which is why I do think, again, it's important for this movie to now be a time capsule. Mm, Yeah. Well, cool. But that leaves the question about this one, Erin. This is hard. Is it better later? Is it never? So, as I've said several times already, I do think this movie is super important. Mm -hmm. But did I need to see it now? I'm starting, to to be fair, I kind of regret saying then never for Jaws because although... Rightly so. Because although I did find the movie to be boring, I Ugh. do now understand a joke from this movie. And so understanding the sort of 
uh, greater History social cinema. context. Oh, yeah. And the references made in other movies does make me kind of regret my then never choice for that movie. Good. That being said, I don't know if that would happen with this movie. Yes, I think it's like a fairly funny. I'd probably give it like a 6.5 or a 7. Out of 10. Out of 10. You know, I think it's fairly funny. Definitely something I would watch if it was on TV or if it was like on yeah. Netflix. But that being said, I don't really think that I needed to see it. No, and I feel like the most important things about this movie are kind of around the right. movie. Like, the most important stuff are things that you would read about it. Right. So, because of that, I'm going to have to say the never. I think that's perfectly justifiable. But and I don't think yeah. you're sacrificing your feminism card to say <laughs> so. Uh, I don't think that needed to be said, Dave. But thank you. Sorry. Well, let me as a man reassure you that Good. your feminism thank- bona fides are right there. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Dick. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's our show. And that is a wrap for season one of Better Late Than Never. He can't even say it anymore. And that is a wrap for season one of Better Late Than Never. Aaron. Yes. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me all these times and, you know, chastising me when my opinions were different than yours. And Yeah, you well, know. you know, I'm going to keep doing that when you come back for season two. Yay. All right. If you'd like to contact us, you can hit us up over email at betterlatetheneverpod at gmail.com or you can tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod. Aaron, one last time. <laughs> okay, Dave. Let's do it. Dave, just for you, I will do this. But da 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 da. Oh, we have to start over. Okay. One, two, three. Ghostbuster. When there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters.